Since iTunes only keeps the last 100 episodes of any show, some of our show topics that seem to help the most people are no longer available when people search on iTunes. So, in an effort to make that information available to more people, from time to time we're going to re-air some of our most popular show topics. You can also go to kickitnaturally.com and search for any topic in our search box. For now, enjoy this show that originally aired in 2014. T.C. Hill is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or licensed in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off me. Welcome to Kick It Naturally. I'm Kenna McEnroe and I'm here with T.C. Hale, author, natural health expert, producer. I'm T.C. Hale, author, Spanish teacher. Whoa. Aromatherapy. Wow, these are new things you've been doing. I'm making stuff up right now. Oh, okay. I don't know how to do any of those things. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, you know how to do enough. For Spanish, I can say, las hamburgueses es en tus pantalones. That's good. Which means that you have hamburgers in your pants. Oh. That's the only useful information that I I bet that would get you a lot of use in Mexico if you went. That's why I learned it. Okay, and we got Hottie Patati Will Schmidt coming in from the Bay Area. Will. He's in a gym right now, so I'm imagining half naked. But I'm not as hot as anymore because it's San Francisco summer and it's quite cool. Ah, I'm jealous. I'm really jealous. It's it was 107 here today in the valley when I was driving over. Oh it became 103, so it got cooler. I think you were driving fast. That's why. Yes. All right, let's rock this. All right. Well, if you haven't liked us yet on Facebook, what's the holdup? Go to Kick It in the Nuts. That's where we post show topics that we'll be doing for the future, and you guys can post any questions you want us to cover, or you can just pitch a show. We'll probably do it because we run out of ideas all the time. Yeah, hammocks. Somebody suggested. Why don't you talk about hammocks? Yeah, I usually have a new ailment every week, so we that's just, the new topic every right. week is my ailments. Right. Good. Um, I should say are my ailments. Yo corrects me all the time. Oh. I'm like, you're a foreigner. You shouldn't be correcting my English. <laughs> Okay, so today's topic. <laughs> that was that was that was planned. Today's topic is brain fog. Well, maybe you'll tell us some stuff. I about know that. a lot about brain fog. It's happening right now. Yeah. So if you don't know, like, there's a lot of. It's just kind of a tricky. I mean, cool word to say now is brain fog, and uh, people will kind of say I have brain fog for a, a wide variety of issues. But basically, if you You just don't feel like yourself. Like you feel like you can't get your thoughts together. You feel like um, I don't remember this person's name, even though they live in my house. You know. You mix up your words. Like instead of brain fog, you say fog brain. Right. You do that kind of stuff. Sure, but and it can just be like kind of a fuzzy feeling, or just kind of a, you know, because you know what you feel like when you're yourself, and sometimes you're not quite there. And people go and they tell your doctor. I just don't feel right, uh, something's wrong, and then they take your blood work and like it's all fine. Uh, why don't you just go get a hug from somebody? I so, assume I have Alzheimer's and right. I'm going into dementia. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Will, do you have any other topics to hit on, like what people think about that? Well, yeah, I think um, there's some people that just, I think we, I, we can make a distinction kind of early on. Some people feel like they're good at remembering certain things and some people feel like they're not, but that's... That's not necessarily what we're talking about when we're talking about brain fog. Right. Because there's skills you can learn to help you remember things like mnemonic devices and imagery. But brain fog is something more, at least how I'd like uh, to refer to it, as something that's happening kind of metabolically that's impairing your normal cognitive function. And there's things you can do, like techniques you can learn to enhance your memory, but 
even those people could still be in sort of a metabolic imbalance, people that know these right strategies, and their brain just isn't running at optimal performance. And right, like you, you could remember every time that you couldn't think of what to say next, and you would still have brain fog, even though you had perfect memory of each time that occurred. Yeah, and it's more about, like, if you think about, like, synapses firing and creative ideas, and you're together, you're on top of it, like, that's the opposite of brain fog. And brain fog is more like the feeling people have when they feel like, oh, I can't, I can't even talk to you till I have some coffee, or I just can't get my thoughts together, that sort of thing. And I want to, I hope we spend some time, I know we'll spend some time looking at the different, um, Metabolic reasons that can happen, things related to like blood sugar or protein deficiencies, ammonia levels, lactate, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so those are the so, main ones, and we want to kind of cover that. So that the, the most important thing to understand is that if you are you know, reading a book about brain fog or maybe you're listening to an author, author on a podcast talk about brain fog, if they're telling you that these foods are good for brain fog or take this supplement for brain fog – you're doing it wrong because there's a lot of uh, there's a wide variety of causes for brain fog and we talk about on all of our shows how there is no uh, one fix for any particular symptom that a person's dealing with because most symptoms have a variety of underlying causes so we're going to talk about things that you could look at in your physiology to get an idea of what might be causing your brain fog all right. Should we just dive right into questions? I think we could do that. All right. Jacqueline from Melbourne, Australia. Until I get my coffee in the morning, I hardly know my own name, yet my partner wakes and is perfectly alert and ready for the day. So your partner, Jacqueline, is probably just a better person. Mm-hmm. Next well, question. No. So, Will, you were just talking about uh, coffee, and, and this is pretty common. I mean, uh, you know, most relationships, one person's going to be good at one thing, and the other will be good at something else. And in my relationship, I'm not good at any of the things. So it balances out well with everybody else. But let's talk about why, uh, you know, one person might be uh, just garbage until they have their coffee. Yeah, and it has a lot to do with what I touched on a second ago about metabolism. When our brain, our brain creates energy and primarily runs off of glucose, which it can make from proteins and can get straight from carbs. It can even make it in a roundabout way from fats, but it runs on glucose. And when it does that in a fast, effective way, it can it can perform at like a like a well oiled like highly fueled engine. It can just fire. The neurons will send the right signals and the right transit times, and you'll be quick and sharp, and that's awesome. And caffeine works to help speed that process of glycolysis. So other things do that also, like B vitamins and thyroid hormone. They stimulate and support. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one, right? What? That's a cocaine. Oh, cocaine. Yes, Mm -hmm. actually. (laughs) Yeah, but it speeds the rate at which your brain is... Uh, accessing glucose and utilizing it to make energy and so we feel smarter and sharper and we do actually perform better on tests usually unless you go too far and create anxiety Mm -hmm. but if you just have enough to give yourself that little boost where it's speeding the rate of cellular respiration and energy production then you'll feel smarter and and you you will actually normally perform better on on tasks that require cognitive function. So what we see is that a lot of people are 
doing their body is doing the things that need to happen for all of that fuel to make it to the brain for the brain to be able to operate correctly for signals to travel from the brain to the body and from the body back to the brain so everything runs in a manner that that person is creating energy and it's creating fuel for everything that needs to work but some people who don't quite have enough gumption going on might need the help of coffee to speed up the whole system a little bit to kind of get it jump started. So that's why we see that with one person and not another person. Mm-hmm. Cool. Are All right, rock on, on, Jacqueline. Yeah, let's go to the okay. next one. Wilson from Atlanta, Georgia. I mostly get brain fog after I eat, especially if it's a big meal. I'm sure there's a correlation to blood sugar, but if you could expand on that, that would be great. Yeah, before we talk about this, because there's a specific thing I want to talk about with Wilson's question, but uh, let's talk about some of the main factors that a person's going to look at as an underlying cause for their brain fog. And, you know, she mentions blood sugar, and that's that's a really huge one. So let's touch a little bit on, uh, you know, if someone's having sugar spikes and crashes, how that can affect it. And I want to hit on uh, how it can affect it even more if someone has low mineral levels and they don't have as high a level of minerals to buffer any sugars that might go too low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in part of this we can look at maybe a little bit more uh, more talked about or more relatable thing that happens when our body gets freaked out. We've talked a lot about other episodes where people go into fight or flight or what's also known as the sympathetic nervous system. When you're scared or excited uh, like you're about to like maybe you're about to like play in a tournament like a basketball tournament or get into a fight or run away from a mugger something like that your nervous system goes into fight or flight and it will direct blood flow and energy to certain parts of your body that are going to be helpful like your big muscles to help you run away or um, away from your extremities where so you won't bleed out as easily in case you get cut so your body has that and it's super fast it can really really significantly adjust to help optimize for the task at hand and it will make you better at that thing. You'll be faster when you're in a sympathetic state. So that's cool. When you when you eat something, your body prioritizes digesting that. So it'll send blood flow to those digestive organs and it'll, it'll deprioritize some of the other activities like Sudoku or whatever else you're trying to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> So it'll like just focus. Sudoku more is on. Sudoku is very rarely an emergency. Yes, <laughs> unless you're in a Sudoku tournament with a huge prize. You know right. That. But yeah, so your body will be a little bit uh, suboptimal at performing other tasks when you ask it to do something big, like digest a big meal. So that's fine, and, and it makes sense. And metabolically, if you think about your brain as a an organ, then you'll understand, like, oh, like. When you eat a big meal, you're going to send some of that biological energy and resources away from one organ and towards another. And that's fine, but it's also like if you're trying to put yourself in an optimal state to do something that requires a lot of cognitive function, like maybe at a board meeting or a chess game or you're trying to like solve some problem with your business, it might not be a good idea to go have like a super heavy meal right beforehand because your body's going to be a little bit um, less less than primed for intellectual activity at that point. I like to lay down after a meal these days. Right. And Just, you know, rest for about 30 minutes. Right. And good idea. 
you know, a lot of people, and you see a, like a dog will often do that too. He'll go and mm-hmm. sleep for a while after he eats. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that eating takes more resources from the body than most of the things that we do. There's, it takes a lot of energy to break the food down and to do all of that stuff. Um, so eating a big meal, even if, let's say you're just low on chloride and the body's taking all the chloride out of your blood to be able to make hydrochloric acid so that you can break down the food that you ate, well, now your blood's going to be uh, leaning a little more alkaline. Uh, oxygen can have a harder time getting down to the tissues. There's a lot of different things that can happen that would reduce your ability to create energy just after you've eaten. So a lot of people, I, I used to experience this when back when I was just getting off all the PPIs and all the digestive, uh, my digestion was totally jacked. Um, but once I was able to lift my the resources that my body needed to digest, like chloride and other minerals, then I didn't get wiped out right after I ate anymore. So if if Wilson can lift her resources a little bit, she may find that it doesn't hit her so hard after she has a big meal. Yeah. All right. Could heat cause brain fog? It, it, I, I'm it's getting about brain fog right now. Right now. My, yeah, there's my a little brain's bit of warmth. melting. Okay, Debbie from Raleigh, North Carolina. Does dis- does dyslexic typing and dyslexic speaking qualify as brain fog? I mean, would the treatment or fix be the same? I presume it ties back to digestion, but just curious as to your thoughts. So in the same way that brain fog could have a variety of causes, so could dys- dyslexia. So as far as a fix being the same for either of those, it could be, but from person to person, that could be different. So... It's interesting. We've never done a show over dyslexia. There's quite a few people in my family with it. I probably have it too, the way I read. But I mean, is there? Like, we tried some to do a show on dyslexia, but we did it on lexdysia instead. <laughs> you did it backwards. We messed it up. Uh, you started from the end and went back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we just talked about blood sugar as one of those things. Let's talk about some other possible causes. Will can we hit the the ammonia thing and how that can be problematic. And, you know, yeah, we, we, sure. we see so, this with clients a lot, too. And when you can change that ammonia level, it can kind of really turn some things around. Yeah. And I will, I will really frequently see super high ammonia levels in people that are um, diabetic or pre-diabetic that have some degree of insulin resistance. And they're just not really good at using glucose for fuel, even if they're eating it or even if they're not. Like, If they have an issue with that metabolic function of creating energy out of glucose, then their body is going to be in this state where it's breaking down a lot of its own tissue, especially proteins, to try to create more glucose for the cells. Even if there's glucose there already, it'll if their cells are having problems accessing or uses, using it, your it'll the cells will keep asking for more and more glucose and with that you'll be breaking down your own proteins and create and trying to create more glucose and with that your ammonia levels can get super high in that catabolic state and not only are you getting that impaired cognitive function because of the inability to use the glucose but on top of that you're also getting a lot of metabolic wastes of ammonia and lactic acid that can build up and further impair cognitive function and physical performance. So the root of it, it can be different for different people. A lot of the time when I see people that have some degree of insulin resistance, it'll lead them down into that, that negative spiral of 
they can't use sugar for fuel. They can't use glucose for fuel. So in, their body starts breaking itself down to try to make more of it. And then it creates all these waste products that then further get in the way of cellular respiration. And that it's just this negative spiral that they'll sink down into. If you're a health, fitness, or nutrition professional, check out our other podcast, Six Figure Health Pro. We dig into the latest marketing techniques and business growing strategies for health professionals. To learn how to take your business to the next level, search for Six Figure Health Pro on iTunes or Stitcher, or go to sixfigurehealthpro.com to learn more. Now do what you're told. Right, and we look at the uh, body's ability to, you know, whether to it's hold on to mineral or remove junk. And sometimes, you know, one of the things we look at is MS. And when we see it really high in saliva, uh, it's kind of can be an indication that, that that osmotic pressure of all that garbage will hold ammonia into the system too. So sometimes it's not just a matter of, uh, you know, someone being insulin resistant or uh, other problems creating more ammonia. It could just be a problem of an inability to remove that ammonia um i know that b6 can help yeah. that in some cases uh to bring that down i know that we've used uh, something called alpha ketoglutarate uh with some success but you you really got to look at the person before you know whether you can use that like if someone is leaning too catabolic you don't want to use a bunch of b6 because that's going to make them way more catabolic and kind of fall apart a little bit yeah oh, and when you say ms you were referring to millisiemens as a unit of measurement of conductivity, right? Right, not the condition of the MS. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that. Um, And when we talk about uh, someone being too catabolic, if you don't understand what that means, uh, you can take our almost free four-week digestion course at kickitnaturally.com, and we teach people how to run a lot of self-tests at home on themselves so they can kind of get an idea of how their physiology is running, uh, what imbalances might be causing some problems, and um, this can give you some indication of what might be causing you know, the brain fog for you. Another marker that would be really common that we would see with someone experiencing brain fog is an electrolyte deficiency because there's not enough mineral in the system for all the signals to travel and uh, communicate correctly. Do you want to touch on that, Will? Yeah. So in our Almost Free Digestive Issues course, we talk about a couple measurements that could help you get a grasp on what might be causing it for you. And as you just said, one of them could be low electrolytes. And there's a couple markers that you can look at. The most significant one, I'd say, would be your blood pressure as a good marker of if you're in an electrolyte deficient state, your blood pressure might be low. And you might not know it's low because a lot of times if you only get your blood pressure checked when you go to the doctor, if it is low, they won't say anything. They'll just be like, yay, it's not high. It's good. And usually if someone's blood pressure is normally low, when they're at the doctor, they're all freaked out that he's going to tell them that they have a brain tumor, so their blood pressure is higher and it might be in a normal range. Yeah, right, because they're anxious because of the electrolyte deficiency. And we've had some other full podcast episodes talking about anxiety and depression and the electrolyte deficient imbalance. So if you are dealing with any of those things, you might want to listen to those episodes at length. But basically, if you're, you can get a little cuff at like, a blood pressure cuff at like Rite Aid or CPS or on Amazon or even go into your local pharmacy and they'll usually have a little um, machine there that you can just use for free. And if you do it and you check your blood pressure and it's below like the top number is called the systolic number. If it's below like 112 and if the bottom number is below 73, then it's a little bit of an indication that 
you might be in an electrolyte deficient state. If it's down closer to like 100 over 70, that's a much stronger indication that you are in an electrolyte deficient state and probably have unstable blood sugar also. And both of those things can really impair cognitive function. Partly because if it is that low, if you are in like a low blood sugar state and, or an electrolyte deficient state or both, it can send your nervous system into uh, sympathetic activation or the fight or flight state. And that can really, that can in some ways, it can get in the way of your being able to think calmly about stuff because you're in more of a panic state. Some people purposely induce a fight or flight state like they have a little bit of coffee or something like that and it helps with performance but that's a little bit different than the stress of depletion like if you're i know like for me like i do perform a lot better on things like tests in school if i have a little caffeine whether it's matcha or coffee but i don't perform better if i'm like authentically like really hungry and depleted um i'll be just like starving for food with low blood sugar and yes, I'll be in like a fight or flight state, but I'll be um, in a more of a panic state. Like I just need to eat. I'll be really anxious and really short-tempered. So they're not, even though like both states exhibit fight or flight, you don't want to be low resources because that's going to mess up the amount of fuel that your brain has. And what do you eat when you just say, okay, I'm just going to have to copy off my neighbor because I don't understand any of this? Yeah, well, usually I'm aggro enough. I just take. Hello? Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, you got to aggro enough. I just take and then it went out. Oh, yeah. I'll just steal their paper and that's fine. Oh, you steal their paper. Okay. So, also, like with pregnancy brain, okay, that's because of low mineral resources and also probably hormones, a lot of hormones in your body. Right. So, think about it. The pregnancy is a perfect example of this because it's an exaggeration of why this can occur with a lot of people. Like, we all accept the fact that when a woman's pregnant, Sometimes she's going to be a little mental. Sometimes her brain's not going to function. She's not going to remember things. You know, it's called pregnancy brain. She's we crying all, during America's Got Talent. Right, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but that woman sang so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a perfect example because what's going on is that all of her resources are going towards building this other whole human. Like, a lot of her stuff is going towards, like, to build a person, you need stuff. And if you start when you're already depleted, you know that you're that type of person anyways, you're doubly screwed. You're doubly screwed, doubly depleted. And when you're pregnant, you're really triply screwed, kind of. And think if you're having twins. Oh, that's not going to work. Yeah, that's not good at all. So it kind of magnifies how this can happen and how one person can experience this and not another. And also how one person can experience it some of the time when resources are very low and maybe not at other times. And what we talked about before is important to understand that if your mineral levels are in a good range, if your blood sugar crashes, those minerals can help buffer the system and kind of help everything function correctly, even though blood sugar went a little low. But without that buffering of a good resources of minerals, when blood sugar crashes, that person is wrecked and they can't function and it, it can turn into a wide variety of things, including depression, bipolar, I think I'm a fire truck right now. Trying to kill your husband. Yeah, it can go from a lot of different ranges. Um, but brain fog can be kind of a, 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 a lower form of it. Maybe not as severe as someone in a complete depression type of thing. Um, but it can still affect them. 
And so this is a good example of how that can happen. Let's see what Janine said. But first, if you'd like to learn how to become a health coach, just get your butt over here and turn on the AC. Yeah. And we'll give you a certificate. Yeah. Uh, no, or just dig into more advanced teachings for yourself or your family. Go to healthprocourse.com to learn about Tony and Will's course for coaches. Registration for this course only opens to the public for about a week at a time. So be sure to register for the coach newsletter so you'll be notified when the next registration opens. You'll find more info at healthprocourse.com. All right, Janine, Janine. I had surgery for endometrial cancer in September 2015. Fellow cancer survivors talk about brain fog in the context of chemo radiation, but I didn't have either. Is it possible to have brain fog nine months post-op? Yeah, because think about that. Chemo, is it it works by kind of almost boring holes in the cell uh, and kind of killing everything possible. And um, that... That extra permeability can kind of push a person very catabolic, and it can kind of displace potassium and all kinds of minerals that were supposed to be in the cell all of a sudden are outside, and things that were outside are now inside, and it causes all kinds of problems. And one thing that's important about potassium that we'll have Will expand on a little bit is that it kind of helps to control, to close that control loop of the messages that are sent. Like um, the brain says to the body, hey, do this, and then the body sends the signal back to the brain like this is what happened. And when there's not enough potassium in the right place, that signal never makes it back to the brain. And so a person can feel a little fuzzy and all the, you know, cognitive function can be debilitated a little bit. Do you want to talk about that, Will? Yeah, I do. Um, So electrolytes in general are really important. And um, when you have a potassium imbalance, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to eat more potassium. It means that your cells are having a, a harder time keeping the electrolytes in the right places. So they're supposed to be distributed where there's more of certain electrolytes outside the cell, like there's more sodium and um, chloride and calcium outside the cell usually, and there's more potassium inside the cell, and it can play with those disbursements of electrolytes, and it does play with those disbursements as it performs functions, like, for example, when a nerve cell fires, all this calcium has been sort of sequestered outside the cell, is allowed to flood into the axon of the nerve, and it creates this, uh, this response, the response of this electrical, uh, electrochemical gradient that changes, uh, it sends signals, and it changes the orientations of proteins and the shapes of different molecules, and that's really, really critical for function of the cells doing their jobs, like muscle cells contracting, nerve cells sending their sensory signals or motor signals. So those electrolytes need to be distributed in the regions that they should be. And the what, the main thing that our body does, in addition to uh, needing to have a general supply of all the different electrolytes, it needs to have the energy that it takes to pump those electrolytes into different gradients. Right. So, so, you know, one thing, too, when you're thinking about that is that it's not just that the body may have a problem creating uh, energy and having the resources to create energy. There could also be other burdens contributing to the, to the fact that a lot of those resources are going towards some other problem that the body has to deal with, which doesn't leave enough for everything else to function. Yeah, very much. Yeah, right. So it's like, uh, for example, my brother one time was racing his road bike down a hill and 
crashed going like 50 miles an hour and he had all these like open wounds, like his knees and wrists and there's like really a lot of injuries, like wounded. And it took, he was exhausted from that. Like he had to sleep a ton because his body was spending a ton of time just regenerating tissue. It was, you know, super critical need that had to happen. So he was really tired a lot for like a couple of weeks after that. And obviously like not able to really work out, but he didn't have the energy for it, even though he usually like biked a couple hours a day. His body was just exhausted trying to heal. And we can look at that, we can look at pregnancy as another sort of example, or even just being on your cycle. Like it's okay that your body will sometimes need to prioritize certain uh, activities or processes more than others. And it comes at the expense of energy for other things. Like maybe you don't have as much energy for your homework or for your workout or whatever it is. And that's okay. We just need to understand that our body is on an energy budget. And when we have these potassium imbalances like we're talking about and you know you're still you're getting enough potassium, like say you have bananas or other greens or potatoes or things that have a lot of potassium in them, you're like, what's the deal? Why do I have a potassium imbalance? And a lot of times it can be just because your overall energy production is impaired. And one of the main things that when we do our more like in-depth lab testing, uh, the indication that will give us um, insight as to do you have a potassium imbalance is actually looking at nitrate levels in urine. Um, when we see that, if the nitrate levels are super low, it shows that there's fairly poor assimilation of protein. And the person may be eating plenty of protein but not properly digesting it. Right. And we'll see that when we look at the nitrate levels in their urine. And when that's the case, they're oftentimes struggling with brain fog and uh, other issues, usually like they have digestive issues because um, they obviously don't have enough stomach acid to break down the protein to get the nitrogen. So that's one thing. But they don't have the energy needed to keep their cells balanced and keep the electrolytes where they should be and make enough ATP, which is the energy molecule, to do all the things that cells need to do. So that takes us back to digestion. Right, and one thing to think about too, you don't even need a fancy test all the time to see that. If you're seeing uh, food in your stool, you know you're not breaking it down and you're not creating enough stomach acid to do that right. And that's another common problem that people see with brain fog is they're looking at the gut and they're seeing SIBO and they're seeing food sensitivity issues and they're seeing histamine reactions to all these foods and all these problems are, are adding to that brain fog. And it's not only things like the histamine that can create a problem uh, for everything to function correctly, but when there's food sensitivities, you know that you're not breaking down the food well enough to pull energy out of it. That's one problem. But then the food is becoming this burden that the body has to deal with because it views it as an invader and that's, you know, resources are going to go towards that. So digestion is a, is a big deal when you're looking at these kind of things and then correcting any type of uh, bacterial infection or, you know, fungal infection or any kind of uh, intestinal infection can be a big key when you're looking at issues like this. But I'd rather see somebody look at the basics first. Where's your blood pressure? Where's your blood sugar? Is it stable? You know, that kind of stuff. Let's see what Amber says. 
Okay, but today all of our listeners can get a free audiobook from audible.com. Just go to kickitinthenuts.com forward slash audiobook for the details. We don't care about that. It's hot it's in here. It's hot in here. All right. Every time Will Wolfgang Schmidt posts a shirtless pic, my head goes into a fog. I can't think clearly, and the rest of my day, I'm useless. Is this you talking, or is this... This was Amber. Oh, oh I didn't say Amber's <laughs> didn't say... name. Okay, people yeah, I'm in a fog. Just, people in... just thought you started saying this. And that's pretty This awesome. was Amber. <laughs> See, I'm in my fog right now. Real question, though. Recently, I've been diagnosed with border... I'm glad you said that before this part. Recently, I've been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. One of the symptoms is to lose time. Most people do this driving a familiar route, think to work. Why? Why did my brain do this to me? So there's a, a variety of issues that could create this, but you know we've heard from Amber before, and we know that she leans a little bit anabolic and had some issues with insulin being a little bit overly powerful. Um, one thing that a person can look at is they can look at their urine and saliva pHs, and if their urine pH is a little bit high... That can be an indication that your insulin may be kind of like a bully. Like when you eat a carb or something that spikes insulin levels, it can be a little too powerful and sweep too much sugar into the cells and out of the bloodstream and leave you with nothing. And then that causes a lot of those problems like Will was talking about before. Right, Will? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so ideally we want to see our urine pH down around 6. Or lower, yeah. Pretty easily um, using pH paper you can get from like Whole Foods or online. <clears throat> you can just check it and see if it is too high. Then maybe experiment with taking some vitamin C as ascorbic acid. And uh, if you calibrate it down to around six, you might notice that hey, like your blood sugar is a little more stable. Right, and then plus lifting any mineral levels that are low will give you that buffering because you know a borderline personality disorder a lot of times can just be a more severe case of the same issue that someone is just experiencing brain fog. You know, there's levels that you can experience, and that just can be a more severe one. Something that's obvious that, I mean, most people would know is, like, if you're starving yourself or you're, like, not eating or skipping meals, that's obviously going to cause, I mean, that can even lose, lead to hallucinations. I know right. when I've tried fast before and things like that, Right. I just start hallucinating. Right. Or somebody may be trying a low-carb diet that doesn't qualify to do that. If you can only process carbs and you're cutting out all your carbs. Or ketogenic even. If they can't do fats, you know, right, then right. they so, get loopy. Right. Someone without enough mineral levels that tries to not eat any carbs is going to be left with nothing to run on. And same if you're trying some other diet that's high in fat and you can't process fats. All those problems create a deficit of energy and you resources and the, nothing works right and you're broken especially when it's hot okay last question Woo! yeah suzanne possible root causes of brain fog parasites low hcl low enzymes uh, ammonia lots of protein hypoglycemia thyroid af me pstd SIBO, terrain nutritional deficiencies what is the real root cause and what are the steps to reverse it so yes Yes. Yes. So, yes, yeah, all so all those things are possible issues that could restrict the body's ability to allow the brain to function correctly, to allow the cells to function correctly, to allow signals to be sent and received correctly. Any of those issues can create this problem, and all of those are a wide variety of things that could create that problem, right, Will Wolfgang Schmidt? You know, I think Suzanne did a really awesome job in throwing out like some of the most common causes all in one awesome question. Right. And she's right to like point them all out because they all can be contributory. Some of them can be related to each other. Like 
low HDL could allow for more SIBO to be present. Um, but yeah, the, all these different things can take over and screw up your system. So your st- digestion isn't on point. You may have a lot of pathogenic bacteria in your gut that are creating exotoxins that are messing up your metabolic rate and screwing with your nervous system. If your thyroid's underactive, you won't be performing cellular respiration and making energy out of the out of the fuel that you have. Uh, if you're stuck in P, in PTSD and you have like your nervous system is just fried, that can also screw with you. All of these things are right. And there's different tests that you can run on your own chemistry and things you can do with your doctor to see like are my is my blood sugar stable? How is my thyroid functioning? Do I have SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth? Uh, do I have sufficient stomach acid? Do I have parasites? There's tests right. for all of these things. And going and after just, all of those at one time can be a little overwhelming for someone, and that sounds like what Suzanne is dealing with. She's probably researching and finding people saying something different around every corner. But if you can look at your chemistry, you can see which things scream the most, like this is really jacked up. You really want to work yeah. on this. Then you have a place to start with and you can start improving things. Like like the order of importance would probably be like get rid of the SIBO or parasite or something like that first and then just work on your digestion and then everything else falls in place, right? Or even do those kind of at the same time. A lot same of people time. will wipe out an infection without fixing digestion. And without that acid barrier there, it comes right back. you let anything. Yeah. I mean, you can't eat anything without something being on there and coming in and setting up camp again. So I like to see people fix their digestion while they're taking steps to wipe out an infection. Cool. Yeah, cool. and also don't just think that, oh, I have brain fog. I must have parasites. Like, right. Don't just assume because you have a symptom that you have all of those different things and you need to treat each of them. Try to get some good lab tests or workups so you can see like what do you actually have markers for and then start working on them. Well, if you're pregnant, you have a parasite in you. Right. It's that, sucking the life right you out of you. You don't know that one for sure. Yeah. Right. And it's going to be like that for the next 24 yeah. years. Cool. All right, guys. Woo. All right. We made it. And we're not dead yet. Nina might be. Oh, Nina looks she like she's out dying a bit. over there. Right. If you want to learn more about how to look at your own body chemistry, you can read any of Tony's books or take the almost free four-week digestion course at kickitnaturally.com. Or head on over to Will Schmidt's MyBodyOfKnowledge.net. He has a ton of pictures, girls, and lots of mm. exercises. Or boys. And, or boys. Yeah. yeah, I don't discriminate. Um, if, or in articles, all kinds of great stuff and information on his site. So check it out. See you next week with the AC on. Woo, yeah. Oh, Lord, let's turn it on. Where is it? What's this? Oh, God. Is that something? Come on. What are you wasting? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs>